I'm your host, Laura Lowen, former therapist, go-getter entrepreneur, future church planter, and throwback hip-hop lover. I want to help you implement practical steps on how to live out the abundant life. Listen in on stories of faith, hope, and inspiration as we pursue the abundant, fruitful life together. If you're ready to get cracking on personal and spiritual growth and have some fun while doing so, you're in the right place. Hey friends, what is up? Welcome to episode number three of the Fruitful Life Podcast. Today, we are going to be talking to my pastor, my friend, and my husband's boss, Shay Prisk. He's the pastor of Rumlaw Church in Grand Blank, Michigan, which is right outside of Flint, Michigan, where we live here. And it's just been a real joy getting to know Shay, getting to know his wife, Andrea. The way that he leads is really inspirational to Jason and I. We feel constantly supported and encouraged by him. And it's just been really fun to be a part of Grumlaw and everything that God is up to there. So you guys better get ready because this episode is amazing. You might even want to get out a notebook and take some notes. It is seriously that good. So here you go. Let's hear from Shay Prisk. All right, Shay, thank you seriously so much for coming on and letting me interrogate you a little bit. I love being interrogated, so I've been looking forward to it. (laughs) Good. Awesome. So how I know Shay is Shay is actually our pastor. We met when Jason and I were looking for a church. Um, We moved back to the Flint area. But I think the super funny thing is that we actually have kind of like an odd connection. Shay's uncle is actually one of my dad's best friends, right? We No, it's not your uncle. It's your, is a second cousin technically? I actually don't know. I never know how cousins and second cousins and all that stuff works. It kind of hurts my head to think about it. But yeah, anyway, Matt, we call him Uncle Matt. Yeah, just crazy. And we put that together like, well, after the fact, after we had met. Yeah. Okay. So I want to just hop right into it here. I think there's this comical, I think, being a pastor's wife, but kind of this comical misconception about pastors that they have this cosmic, super special connection with God that no one else has. So first of all, I just want to know, A, is that true? And then B, I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about your journey with God. For sure. Uh, Yeah, that's absolutely true. We have a stronger connection (laughs) with God than anyone else. And it's reserved only for us. Obviously, totally, totally kidding. Uh, No, not, not the case. We have to work at that relationship just like anyone else. It it takes building that relationship just like the next person and that relationship with God takes building, obviously, just like it takes building a relationship with with your spouse, with your kids, with your friends, with your coworkers. I think a lot of times people, unfortunately, actually put pedestals in such a high light. And and don't get me wrong, I think we're held to a, a certainly a high standard. But we're susceptible to the same temptations and, and, you know, faults that everybody else has. And we have to work at it just like anybody else. We're not special. We are just average, everyday, ordinary people. But God just really, for whatever reason, grabbed a hold of my life and and, and asked me to do this one specific thing, which is to pastor and to to lead the church. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know a little bit about your backstory, but if you could just maybe share a little bit with the listeners 
what did that look like for you? Did you come out of the womb and were you saved or, you know, like, <laughs> what was that like for you? We're, you're joking around. Like they come out of the womb and they want to be a pastor. There's a lot of actually pastors that that's not that far of a cry. They knew at a really young age. Right. Uh, and in fact, I would actually have said the opposite. My, my parents, my mom for a long time worked at a Christian school. My dad was always really involved in the church. We as a family were really involved in the church. And I, I think I saw a lot behind the scenes. Um, my, my parents also started a church about 15 years ago. And I just saw a lot of uh, kind of the heartache that comes with starting a church and with church planting. And so much so that by the time I got to college, I've become so jaded by it and honestly so frustrated with people who wore the label of Jesus followers, but seem so hypocritical that I didn't really want anything to do with it. In fact, my friend and I made a pact that we would never work for a church, much less <laughs> be pastors, but we wouldn't even work for a church. And so I, I was in a lot of ways a kind of a stereotypical pastor's kid. I went through a very rebellious state, was a typical kind of rambunctious kid in early, you know, in elementary school, middle school. But by the time that I got to high school, really started being really, really rebellious. Uh, did a lot of drinking, did a lot of drugs, got into a lot of trouble. So I was not following Jesus in any way through high school and then even early on in college and and really the thing that actually changed for me was that I, I, for the first time in college, about my sophomore year, I was exposed to people that, that wore the label of Jesus follower, but were actually living their lives in such a way that, that I was really drawn to it. Hmm. That they were like some of the most fun-loving, fun-spirited people that I'd ever met in my life. But yet they weren't getting drunk on the weekends. They weren't doing drugs. They weren't doing all these things that are quote unquote wrong. And it wasn't like they were just not doing them because they were just, again, wrong. They just had something from my perspective that was better. And, and that's kind of what piqued my curiosity. I was like, okay, what do these people have? How come they seem happier than any people I've ever met in my life? So through those next two years and because of those relationships, I, I slowly started to develop my relationship with Jesus. I started to ask questions that for my whole life, the answer had just been the Bible says so. Those answers weren't sufficient for me enough. I really wanted to know like concrete answers. Okay, who is this Jesus guy? Did he actually rise from the dead? I started to actually explore those questions. And it led me to a place where I was like, dang, I think Jesus is exactly who he says he is. And, and I actually started that relationship. And so once I graduated college, it wasn't like I was like, okay, now I'm going to become a pastor. That still wasn't <laughs> like the thing at that point. The only thing that I knew that I liked to do was work with youth and young people, particularly in like a summer camp setting. So I actually took a position working at a summer camp as a program director, which is really cool. I did that for about two and a half years, was married to my wife during that point. Uh, but after that, I actually entered into the medical field. So mm -hmm. I, I ended up walking away from the camp through kind of just a crazy set of circumstances, which would be a whole other podcast. But did that for ended up doing that for five and a half years. And really the thing that stirred up in me during that time is I finally had at that point in my life everything that I from a worldly standpoint that I would ever want. I, I was making, honestly, if I'm being candid, just obscene amounts of money. I worked four days a week. I had three-day weekends every weekend. My wife and I were super involved in the church. I mean, everything was going really well. We had our you know, first children on the way. Like, everything seemed perfect. Mm -hmm. We had our dream house at you know, 27 years old. Like It was like, man, like how could life possibly get any better? But yet through that, I still just felt this discontentment. I, I was so like miserable. I yeah. wasn't. I, I was still happy, but it was like, man, why do I still feel like Ugh, I'm supposed to do something else? Why don't I feel more content? So I really started leaning into that. And so I just really started praying. I was like, God, all right, 
if if I'm supposed to do this for the rest of my life, then will you get rid of this feeling? But otherwise, what is it that maybe you're trying to stir up in me? And so I went and actually, my wife and I went and visited friends that were serving as full-time missionaries in Guatemala. And it was really on that trip that I, I find it was kind of like, oh my goodness, this isn't normal to have this feeling. And I really need to start leaning into this meeting. I need to start praying about what this feeling is. And so yeah. we got back from that trip kind of being reinvigorated and really asking very intentionally, not just occasionally, but daily and multiple times a day, both my wife and I really praying about like, okay, why do I have this feeling and what what does that mean for our future? And so God started to just kind of drop all these different opportunities into our lap from selling everything, going to a third world country and being a missionary or, you know, working for a local church. I started praying through all this stuff and it was during that time that we really intentionally praying that I reconnected with a friend who had actually ended up starting a church in Livonia called Miles City. Mm-hmm. And he had asked if I would come alongside him and help him start this church. And so we started praying through that. And through this time of praying and talking to people, mentors, people that I looked up to from a spiritual standpoint, this idea of starting a church kept just coming up over and over. And so my wife and I, even though I had made my pact with my friend back in college, that I never worked. <laughs> Church. Here we were praying about, okay, God, not only should we work for a church, but maybe should we actually start a church someday? And so, you know, fast forward, we ended up taking this position at Mile City, which felt like a huge risk because this church hadn't even started yet, did not feel very secure. Uh, we had a child on the way and we're going, oh my goodness, we're walking away from all this financial security into a church that we don't even know if it's going to make it. And we have no idea really even what it's going to look like. And, you know, took this position at Mile City, but knowing that it wasn't going to be our last stop, that, that, that we were going to eventually plant a church as well and, and start a new church. And so, you know, help that church get off the ground, but at the same time, all the while making plans for what we presently know as, as Grumlaw Church, which is in Grand Blanc, Michigan, that we launched, you know, about a year and a half ago. So here we are all this time later, uh, and God took us through kind of like a roller coaster of just, you know, life circumstances, totally different career changes. And Throughout our marriage, we've moved now seven different times, and at the time, it seemed really, you know, disjointed. But now, it, it really makes sense as we look back and think, oh, every step along the way, whether it was working in medical sales, whether it was working at a camp, where we were living, it all kind of led finally to this point where, you know, it came full circle. Where I feel more content than I've ever been because I know this is exactly what God created me to do. The more and more I hear your guys' story, it's to me is just so encouraging. And it's just a reminder that God can literally do whatever he wants with his kids. And it's always the best. And it's always so much bigger than anything we could ever dream up. And I feel like that for you, because like you said, you were making obscene amounts of money. And isn't that the American dream? And it's not just like, you guys were some heathens over there, like raking it in. You were serving the Lord too. And I just love how God can just do that and stir our hearts. So kind of within that, obviously there was a huge process for you guys of seeking the Lord, listening to the Lord, and then obeying him. It's kind of like the final step. So a question I get a lot from people, whether it's people at church or in small groups they've been in, online even, they're like, Laura, how do you hear God? Like, what is yeah. what does that look like? <laughs> so what do you tell people when people ask you that? 
I, I do think most people think if they heard from God, like in an audible voice, they would do that thing. And mm. one, I would, I would caution people and say, uh, I don't know that you would, because yeah. in fact, we have all these examples of, of times, particularly, you know, in, in scripture where people were very direct, like not only heard things from God, but Jesus, the son of God told them to do things and they still didn't do it. Right. So it, it can <laughs> oftentimes be like a naive thought that we just think, okay, well, if I just knew for sure, then, then I would do it. And saying, like, eh, not so fast because even in the, even in those times when we maybe would hear something audibly from God, it, it still involves to a certain extent, a certain level of risk and probably leaving something behind. But anyway, that's yeah. a bit of a side note, but yeah. I'll be super, you know, quick to say, like, I've never heard audibly from God. I've never had this moment where literally it was a voice. I've had times where I'm like, wow, that felt really, really, really clear. Mm-hmm. But I can't recall a single moment in my life, and I think I would remember it, because <laughs> that would be pretty significant, uh, if God, you know, was like, Shay, go yeah. do fill in the blank. That would be nice, and I think that's what we all would want, because that, that it would be just so clear to us. But um, I, I think this is the very nature of faith. With faith, it's this trust in, in what we really can't see, and in this case, with what top of our conversation, in what we really can't hear. And so when I want to hear from God, I, I really go to God and I, I beg him to give me an answer. And I think so often people, that they want to hear from God, but, but they're not persistent enough. Uh, I heard years ago that the most powerful prayers are consistent, persistent prayers. Mm-hmm. And so we go back to God again and again and again and again, and we think we've been going to God for forever. Well, meanwhile, it's been a month, and God's like, that's the littlest, tiniest blip on the radar. <laughs> right. And so, like, you know, in my experience, for instance, with, with, with starting this church, it wasn't a one-week thing. It wasn't a two-week thing. It was many months of my wife and I on our hands and knees, literally just begging God to give us an answer. And even then, it wasn't like he gave us an, an audible voice. Basically, I think he starts to slowly kind of eliminate other options, and he brings one to the forefront. And and then it's on us at that point to take the leap, because that's really faith. I mean, God, I think, is sitting up in heaven, you know, and he's looking down at us going like, I nudged you in this direction. It's a nudge. It's a prompt. Are are you going to trust me enough to take the leap? Typically with these big life decisions, starting a church, for instance, right after I I say yes or I say no, whatever I feel like God was kind of leaning into— I usually have one of the worst cases of like buyer's remorse <laughs> or decision remorse in the history no. of the world. I'm like, oh my gosh, I did the worst thing ever. I'm such yep. an idiot. Yep. And I feel like I've screwed it up. And it's it's usually about 48 hours later that, that I, I feel that peace that surpasses all understanding. And it's, it's almost like it's the evil one's one last effort to try to be like, mm. hey, you screwed this up. And then God almost waiting, like, are you still going to trust me? Are you still going to trust me? Are you still going to trust me? Am I bigger than your worry? Am I bigger than your doubt? Yeah. And then it's that 48 hours later where it's like, oh, my gosh, why did I ever doubt this? And so to answer your question, when I tell people, I'm like, you, you beg God, you're persistent, but God gave us a brain for a reason. Mm-hmm. And he gave us this thing called a conscience for a reason, which every one of us has. It's not something that we are we, we, we receive upon becoming a Jesus follower. We're all born with this thing. And we all have brains. We all have a conscience. And God wants us to use those things, obviously. So there, there's a lot of times, like, you know, again, where, where my wife and I were praying through what was next. None of the options were bad. I mean, 
nobody would have looked at us as heathens if we would have became missionaries. None of us would have looked at them like, oh my gosh, you're terrible people for taking a teacher pa- teaching pastor role at a big church. Right. They all sounded like noble endeavors. Mm-hmm. But God slowly but surely kind of just kept pushing. And it was like this, this, this sense that, okay, okay, we both feel like, man, we're supposed to go here. And ironically, it sounded like the most, from a worldly standpoint, the most illogical solution, the most mm-hmm. illogical conclusion to arrive to. But through persistent prayer, through fasting, through a strict focusing on God, he kind of just narrowed the the, the gate, narrowed the avenue to that option. And then it was on us to take the leap. And and so many people just get stuck on that ledge and they're not willing to take the leap because they keep going, well, he didn't tell me in an audible voice. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, I don't know for sure. Well, you're not going to ever know and God's never going to ask you to do the next thing until you take that initial leap. He's never going to ask people to take steps that are beyond where they're at in their faith journey. Right. He's not going to ask the person that, that went to church for the first time in their life on Easter Sunday to, 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 to then the next week to go start a church. That doesn't make <laughs> logical sense. Those, those no. things don't happen. He doesn't ask us to take these steps so far beyond, but unfortunately so many people are stuck at the first step or the next step that God's asking them to take, and they never get to the final step where God ultimately wants to take them because they won't take the leap initially. Well, you just preached a sermon to me, (laughs) so that is seriously going to bless the socks off so many people. I think it's so good when we can just hear different perspectives, and especially like I really love your personal testimony that you brought into that, because what I can never connect with personally is when people talk about things from like a viewpoint where it's like, I don't know, kind of high and mighty and you you can't quite understand what they're saying. It's it's not practical. And that's one of the things that I love about going to our church too is that I feel like your teaching is just so crazy practical. You're like, okay, so we have these principles laid out in the word. Now what the heck do we do with them? So I have to say, especially, okay, backing up just a second here. On Instagram, I'll often tell people in my stories, I'm like, okay, you guys, go listen to Grumlaw sermons. They're really good. Obviously, your sermons are amazing. And then, you know, we have this crazy, handsome guy, Jason Lowen, who sometimes preaches. And, you know, I like listening to him too, not going to lie. But yeah, so I, I tell people to listen, but I mean it. Like, it's like, it's so awesome to go to a church where beyond a shadow of a doubt, you know that not only is everyone going to love it, but they're going to get so much out of it. And one of the things that I feel like I really connect with, with I feel like your preaching style, but also your personality, is you are, I'm going to say, slightly controversial. You like to live kind of on the edge. And you guys, okay, so when Shay preaches, he like almost curses which is like speaking my love language not not even gonna lie so um have you like gotten a ton of flack about that or are people usually like oh my gosh that was the best ever i can't believe you said that anybody listen to this i don't swear like <laughs> i don't swear in my personal life unless like, something really terrible happens to me and maybe swore a couple times last year and both of them probably happened when something painful happened to me uh, <laughs> and, and i don't get on stage and use certain vocabulary for shock and appeal it's, it's right. really just kind of my authentic self coming out and i'm so passionate about what i'm talking about i, I think what we're communicating on sunday mornings what pastors have the privilege of communicating on sunday morning uh is is the most 
applicable and, and the most relevant thing that we could possibly communicate to our, our, our audience, to the people that are sitting there. And so I just get really fired up sometimes. So some of the times that the things that come out, it's like it wasn't written in my notes. It's just like, oh, my gosh, in that moment, I'm so passionate and so excited uh, in a lot of cases that just comes out. And so <laughs> some people will, and it's few people, it's it's that outlier. It's the point zero one percent of people will get you know annoyed by that and Honestly, I'm just very quick to kind of communicate to those individuals that, hey, this probably isn't the church for you. Right. And that's fine. Totally. And, and I, I'm not mad at you that this isn't the church for you. But if you want me to wear a suit, if you want me to say things in that way, uh, it's just not going to happen. And that, that's not who I am. I mean, that wouldn't be true to who I am and true to what God has called me to do. There's there's a hundred churches you know, right around the corner from us, you can right. go to any number of those. And a lot of those are probably going to align more with what, with what your convictions are. And that's fine. That's why every church does things a little bit differently. I wish every, you know, person selfishly would relate to how I communicate and to things that I have the privilege of communicating, but that's obviously just not realistic. Not everybody's going to love what comes out of my mouth and they're not going to appreciate in the way that I communicate it. And that's okay. That's why we have lots of different churches and you know, Jesus never said this is the exact way you have to do church. It's it's the beauty of the local church that there's so many different variations of it. Mm -hmm. I love that. And I think for so many people, you know, I like to say that if anything looks or smells a little bit like legalism, I just run now. Like yeah. I'm yeah. gone. Bye. Like I don't want anything to do with it. Stop talking the whole nine. Yeah. I'm just, because that's not who Jesus is. Legalism mm -hmm. is a man-made invention. Yep. Jesus was the furthest thing from legalistic. In fact, the only people that Jesus got mad at were legalistic religious people. Yeah. I mean, and read it for yourself. Read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, those four books that document Jesus's life. Right. And the only people that he went off on, you know, the, the, everybody quick to point out the story where Jesus was flipping tables and getting ticked off. Those are religious people taking advantage of people who are far from God. Right. Those are the people that Jesus would go, oh, my gosh, I'm going to lose my mind. It was never the, the, the person, the quote unquote sinner. Mm -hmm. It was never the person that was making terrible decisions. He had nothing but grace for those individuals. It was the people that, that were religious and legalistic that he about lost his mind with. Right. Which I love that we can just have an open conversation about that and the conversation in in churches and i think within believers is definitely shifting a lot of us just feel a lot more comfortable talking about that and i think especially our generation just feels on a whole kind of kind of done with that mentality and i think for me anyways, once once you get a taste of God's grace and God's freedom, there's no way you want to go back to anything that looks remotely close to legalism or bondage or any of it. So right. I have kind of one more question for you. Okay, so one statement I hear a lot, and I know you probably, like if you had a nickel for every time you heard this, you you would probably be rich again, other than your medical sales, okay? <laughs> um, but what do you think of the sentiment that I feel like a lot of people are having now in 2019 of they're likely a believer, definitely going to church, and they might say something along the lines of, you know what, I just feel like my church just isn't feeding me anymore. I just, I'm, I'm really not getting anything out of my church. And, you know, I just, I think I may, might need to look into 
another another place to go um kind of kind of that whole thing because i i honestly hear that quite a bit so what is your response um maybe even someone who's listening that that's how they're feeling and they have no idea what to do with it I think there are legitimate reasons why people should maybe go to a new church or seek that out. You know, we had a lady just within the last couple of weeks that has started coming to Grumlaw and she started showing up, not because she hated her old church, not because she had a falling out with a pastor or, you know, didn't agree theologically with something, but uh, her and her husband went through an unfortunate divorce where I think she took absolutely the legitimate reasons to, to pursue that divorce mm-hmm. and he kept showing up to the old church and she's yeah. like this is painful I can't keep going here like this is like it's like yeah. ripping open a band-aid every Sunday I walk through and I see him there mm-hmm. and I was like that seems wildly appropriate yep. <laughs> that you would sought out a new church That's so anyway totally. there are perfectly you know I think legitimate reasons but that being said, I think a lot of people do simply say what you said it's kind of a go-to excuse I'm just I'm just not being fed anymore. And typically when people say that, I I usually ask a follow-up question of, okay, tell me about what your church experience has been. And and I'm not saying this is everybody's case, but nine out of 10 times that person only shows up to their church on Sunday mornings. Mm -hmm. They're basically relying on that Sunday morning experience to somehow, you know, fulfill them spiritually. Mm -hmm. And I'm pretty blunt about this on stage. You've probably heard me say this. If you are relying on Sunday mornings at even the church I pastor to sustain you spiritually, it is going to fall woefully short. Yeah. yeah. It's going to fall woefully short. And and that's why we encourage people to get into small groups or as we call them connect groups. It's why we encourage people to serve on teams, not because we need help. That's that's sure a part of the reason, but it's the minor reason. The major reason is because I want people to get in community with other people who are helping build what God is doing at the church. It's really about community. It's why, you know, we push people spending daily time with God. And so nine times out of 10, it's like I'm not being fed. And they were relying on that Sunday morning experience, Mm -hmm. Sunday morning, you know, worship services to fill them up. Right. And and that's always going to fall short because eventually, no matter how engaging you found that communicator to be when you first started showing up, eventually his voice is going to start sounding monotonous. Yeah. Eventually you're going to go, Ugh, I've heard him use that line before. Yeah. Ugh, I've heard him say these things before. This yeah. is getting old. I'm just not being fed. Um, no matter how dynamic the communicator, those thoughts are going to start to set in. And so if you're not involved in all aspects of the church, and when we say church, we're not talking about a building. Mm-hmm. We're talking about a community of people. If you're not being involved in that community of people beyond the one hour that they gather on Sunday mornings, which by the way, nobody shows up 52 times a year. Like most people, the, 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 the regular church attender, they now say shows up about a third. So you're basically relying on, you know, you could do the math about 18 times mm-hmm. a year to sustain you spiritually. It's just not going to work. And so you know, in an effort to talk to the masses, the people that, you know, nine out of 10 times aren't involved in other aspects, I would really encourage them, you know, to say, hey, why don't you get involved in, in, in other parts of, of the church and then see if you are being, quote unquote, filled up. Right. But this isn't just a being poured into thing. And again, the church is so much more, those Sunday morning services even, are so much more than us just sitting there and being fed. That's part of it. Don't get me wrong. I spend an absurd amount of time preparing sermons so that people can be quote unquote fed. Right. But it runs beyond that. It's, it's again, it's getting involved in groups, it's feeding yourself daily. I mean, there's, there's so many things that are more important than what we do on Sunday mornings. 
you know, you said, all right, Shay, here are these three things that, you know, daily time with God, weekend Sunday services, and, and a small group, which one is the most important? Um, I would probably say, well, your daily time, then your connect group, then your small group, yep. then the worship service. Yep, 100%. So you got, like, in that order. And, and, and so, yeah, that, that would be my response to people most of the time. And to any of, you know, buddy that might be listening and saying, thinking about leaving their church, I'd really challenge you to think about the, the real why. Don't just fall into the easy excuse of, oh, I'm just not being fed anymore. Maybe that's it. But, okay, why aren't you being fed anymore? Is it something the pastor said? Is it is it the remark that the pastor's wife said to you in passing that you just couldn't get past? Mm. Our, our first response when we experience something that it, it, we maybe think is less than favorable or we maybe think is, oh, my goodness, like I just can't get past that. It shouldn't be to just run. I'm telling you as a pastor, when, when people suddenly stop showing up, it hurts. Yeah. And oftentimes, you don't have to care about my feelings, but oftentimes when I hear about why somebody left, I'm like, oh my gosh, that was not the case. Right. And if you would have only had the courage to have a conversation with me, we could have talked this out and avoided a lot of heartache. Yeah. And 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 I hope that people would, would, would take that approach. I think there's oftentimes this... Uh, this hesitancy to approach the pastor because again, back to what we were talking about initially, like we, we place him on a pedestal. Mm-hmm. I got into this not to preach on Sunday mornings. I didn't get into this because I just really wanted to work for a church. I got into this for people. And I think 99.9% with a repeater bar of pastors would agree. It kills us when people are unwilling to have a conversation with us. It was like, oh my goodness, that's why we got into this in the first place. We want to be involved in people's lives. Don't hesitate to go talk to your pastor. Right. Uh, I, I'm confident nothing would bring them more life than just that. I totally agree with that. I know a lot of people feel that way, and you know, I know you love you love you some Stanley too, some Andy Stanley, and mm-hmm. his catchphrase. It's so much better than that, you know. Yeah. And yep. that's what I just think about, uh, just everything that God has to offer us. Sunday morning is a part of it, but it's it's not the whole picture. And I think no. we can really grasp onto that. Then we can understand that God is bigger and we can trust him more. And we can also let our guard down with other believers in the church, which is a really beautiful thing. And I feel like it's, at least for me, it's super sacrificial. Like op- I will openly say to anyone, I'm probably one of the most selfish people you will ever meet, like in my flesh. But the amazing thing about serving and really putting yourself out there in the church body is that you die to yourself, which doesn't sound fun. And sometimes it's not. But at the end of the day, it's like the most beautiful faith stretching thing that we could do. So I really appreciate your response to all that. Well, um, you guys, I'm going to put a link in the show notes here to Grumla's podcast. So you can keep up with Shay. You can hear, you know, it really, the, the video is what does it justice because Shay, I'm thinking about when you get really excited, like the veins in your forehead. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so you know i mean if you guys ever get a chance to come to the flint area and and see this for yourself no but for real we're we're gonna put uh we're gonna put the grumla podcast in the show notes um so you guys have a link to that you guys can follow along i know both shay and i we listen to a ton of podcasts it's just it's so it's so life-giving to listen to a sermon when you're on your way to work doing your laundry 
whatever it is. But Shay, if my listeners are like, you know what, this pastor sounds pretty awesome. I, I want to kind of keep up with him and follow along with him. Where, where would be the best place that they could go to keep up with you and what's going on? You'll get the the biggest dose of me and, and the most amount of time on, yeah, just uh, by going to Grumlaw's website or finding us under Grumlaw Church. Um, I, I preach most Sundays, and so you get to hear from that. But, yeah, I have all the social media stuff. My first name is Shay, S-H-E-A. Last name is Prisk, P-R-I-S-K. There's not, I don't think, any other Shay Prisks in the world, yeah. to my knowledge. So <laughs> if you search that on Instagram or on Facebook, you can find me there. But yeah, nothing would bring uh, me more joy than, yeah, if you started tuning in. Like you said, podcasts are just so valuable. Uh, there, there's something so life-giving, like you said, about listening to something. And I, I challenge you, if you never you know, really listen to sermons, quote-unquote, I promise that, that, at least from Grumlaw's perspective, I think they probably sound less like sermons and what maybe might be ticking around in your head as you think about sermons and somebody mm-hmm. preaching, you know, fire and brimstone and probably more like a TED talk. Yeah. Uh, I love where it. truly it's, it's just, a, it's a very practical approach to scripture. And, and, and even, you know, if you, you no matter where you find yourself on this whole faith journey, even if you're trying to try to sort out whether Jesus is even real or not, yeah. you know, whether God's actually out there, uh, it's a very unassuming approach, and it's an approach that I think that you'll find is no matter what, you'll you'll be able to take away at least a couple of nuggets immediately apply to your life. And one of the things that, like you alluded to, Stanley, Andy Stanley always talks about is undeniably, you implement the teachings of Jesus into your life, he, he will make your life better, and he will make you better at life. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's not even a little controversial. You'll be more patient. You'll be kinder. You'll be more loving. Uh, all these things that you want for yourself, that you want for your kids, that you want for your coworkers, your friends. Um, so I'd really encourage you to dive into that, that, that content. And, uh, and I, I really do believe that it'll definitely make your life better. Yep. I totally agree. hundred percent. Well, Shay, I'm super thankful for you. I'm thankful that you're my pastor. I'm thankful that you're my husband's boss <laughs> and <sighs> just that we, our families get to be friends. So just seriously, thank you for coming on. And um, I'm just so excited. I think people, they're going to be so blessed and it's going to be awesome. So thanks, Shay. Hey guys, if you like this episode, I hope you'll consider subscribing to the Fruitful Life podcast on iTunes, sharing it with your friends, and showing it some love on social media. For a newbie show like mine, those reviews are everything. Thank you so much for tuning in. To stay in touch with all things Fruitful Life, you can check out lifeasalowen.com or follow me on Instagram, lowen.